Welcome, everyone, to an all-new episode of TV Dinners, the podcast where we feed your entertainment soul. Uh, let's see. Tonight, we are going to talk about a couple of things, but let's move in the direction of what's new from TV land. Um, I want to go over a couple of things that are happening this week. I mean, they're small, you know, the Super Bowl tonight, if you're listening live. Thank you for joining us instead of tuning into the State of the Union address, which I'm sure will be replayed ad nauseum everywhere. Um, but thank you for joining with us. Uh, I am joined in my beginning in the beginning of the podcast here with Josh. Josh, my producer, thank you so much. First of all, always being so awesome, and secondly, for providing me with uh, someone to throw some stuff off of. So I'm going to ask you straight off the bat, since this is the biggest thing in TV this week, uh, will you be watching The Last of Us on Friday? No, wait a minute, that's not actually the biggest thing. Um, whose Super Bowl team are you rooting for? Well, the science says I should be... Wait, who's playing it? <laughs> wow. It's the, the, the Chiefs and the Eagles? Did I get that right? Did I win? I, I, I think you won for having to ask who's playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, when my, <laughs> when my fantasy team got knocked out of, uh, you know, the winning... You know, uh, playoffs and got into the loser playoffs. Which, by the way, I am the king of the losers. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, no, oh no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm a Giants fan, so um, I get to claim that fame. You, you can, you can be <laughs> just a little bit above me. That's okay. <laughs> I haven't really been paying attention to the playoffs, and I know, you know, people are like, but what about Jacksonville? They made it to the playoffs. It's like, yeah, but unlike by default. It's like the AFC South had to send somebody. So yeah, the, the the Giants actually did make the playoffs, which I was really excited about, and I I'll, I'll definitely give them props for that. They did good. I will say this though, um, the the Eagles, you know, as I was saying, according to science, uh, are probably going to win mm. the the Super Bowl. Because they have this guy that uh, used to be a Jaguar. Oh, hey. That could bode kind of well. Well, I, here's I, the thing. Here's the thing. The, the Jaguars have this rich history of cutting players to send them to Super Bowl winning teams. Oh, that's really helpful. So, yeah. Um, so glad they're so charitable. Mark Brunel won the Super Bowl with the Saints. Um, Byron Leftwich won the Super Bowl. I think it was with the, the Buccaneers. Uh, yeah. If you leave the Jags, you're going to the Super Bowl. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a tradition that continues. Even with, even with your Giants, they're like, we don't need Tom Coughlin anymore. <laughs> so the Giants picked him up, and he won two. So, yeah, my money's on the Eagles. <laughs> Well, I, I'm I'm gonna say, and this is by no means meant to start a culture war, I promise. But it does kind of feel like this matchup is sort of like, you know, the Midwest versus the uh East Coast. It feels like there is that energy of, oh, Philadelphia is the East Coast and Kansas City, oh, we're the Midwest. Uh, meanwhile, you know, everybody else in the country is all shut out. Sorry, guys. Um, but I will say one thing about the Super Bowl that I'm really happy for this year. At least the Packers didn't go. That's what I'm happy about. And I don't have to choose between the Green Bay Packers and the Patriots. Because that seems like something I'm always in the middle of. So that's good. Not that I don't love the Packers or love the Patriots. I'm just so tired of having to pick between the two of them. So really glad for that. Do you do anything fun on Super Bowl Sunday? Do you do snacks? Do you do party stuff? What do you do? Oh, I generally just forget the game's on. Seriously? Really? Yeah. Yeah, my okay. kids aren't into uh, football. And, you know, it seems more of a, a group activity, you know? Otherwise, it's just me sitting in the living room going, go teams that I don't care about. 
All right, let, let me let, let me throw a little truth down on you here. You need to rephrase, or no, I shouldn't say rephrase. You need to reframe your entire idea about this. First of all, the best commercials all year will happen during the Super Bowl. So yes, in theory, you could watch them other places, but there's something enormously rewarding about watching them during the Super Bowl. Secondly, always halftime show, which is always fun, right? I mean, come on, that's got to be a cool thing. And the third thing is you never need an excuse to show up in front of the TV, watch a bunch of guys running around on the field and consume mass quantities of snacks. I mean, this is living. Like, I feel like this is, this is what we're made to do. So uh, I would suggest that you just go buy that bag of Doritos, chow down on some you know, spinach dip and watch some really good commercials. And, you know, once in a while, you'll hear some screaming from your neighbor's house. It'll be fun. I mean, that's what I think. But I also think that this year's Super Bowl is going to be very watched for the halftime show because halftime show is Rihanna. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. I don't know. We'll see. But I mean, come on, Rihanna. I don't feel like you can go wrong with Rihanna. There's just no way. It's going to be a good show. That part is going to be really good. Are you excited? Are your kids excited at all about that? No. <gasps> oh my god. They're not. Uh, they're not Rihanna fans. Wow. Okay. Most most of their music uh, either comes from you know things that I like, and uh, admittedly, Rihanna's not heavily on rotation in. in uh, on my Spotify, but the stuff that they discover on their own is usually some, and how do I put this? Uh, some novelty YouTube musician mm. that makes songs about Minecraft and, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, okay. Well, at least they're not listening to MIDI music. I guess that's good. What's wrong with MIDI music? I mean, nothing uh, inherently, but it's not really going to round out their musical uh, education experience much. You got something against BitHop? A little, yeah, just oh. slightly. I mean, What's you know, that? I, <laughs> I'm one of those, I'm one of those weird, nerdy, uh, past Bandcamp kids. You know, I played the trumpet, I played the trombone, I played the piano, I played uh, what else did I play? Trumpet, trombone. Oh, I played alto sax for a couple years. Um, loved it, just loved it. But yeah, now I'm a little bit of a I wouldn't say I'm a music snob, but I would say that, yeah, MIDI music definitely, no, no, not super happy with it. Well, well I played and, Super Mario Brothers, and I said, yo, give me some dope hooks and beats <laughs> to go with this. So the, so the real thing that you need to do is turn down the volume on the Super Bowl, crank up some MIDI music, and indulge in some snacks, and I feel like you'll be good. You have that I can do it. I think you should do that. Um, okay, let's uh, let's let's jump tracks here, sort of. But I mean, you know, there are kind of two teams to what I'm about to say, even though maybe there shouldn't really be two teams, but there is. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> tonight, of course, is the State of the Union address, um, and I, you know, I find the older that I get, and I, it really has changed a lot. Um, when I was a kid and we we would all watch this, it was like required watching. Um, in school, they would ask us the next day, did you watch the State of the Union? And, you know, what did you think? And a lot of it was actually good, like, philosophical debate about what was happening, what was being said. I, I don't know. It was weird the way that they, or I shouldn't say it was weird. It has really progressed to the point where it's really kind of just, you know, your side says this and your side says this. And I hate being so disillusioned by that kind of big statement. But yeah, that's where we are. Um, however, it's, it is generally a pretty big ratings monster for all the networks if they show it. Um, one year, Fox didn't show the State of the Union address. I don't know what was up with that. Um, but for the most part, most networks get a pretty big bump out of this. So um, I definitely will be watching it. It's actually on my DVR to do after the show. Um, I am still really interested to hear kind of what's happening. Um, but yeah, it's changed a lot. Would you say that? 
Yeah. Yeah. If, if only, only for the fact that it seems, you know, debate is uh, not really uh, a thing these days. Yeah. Yeah. People don't like to debate. They just like to coordinate their own sort of whatever it is that they think is right and make sure that everybody knows that no that's the only right way that there is no other right way so it, you know it's really interesting to me to um and you know we're going to get into this actually when we talk about the last of us which we'll talk about in a minute um when we do our new podcast for the last of us there's a lot of really interesting ideas about philosophy that steer us in all of these different directions and i find that even in video games where we don't have you know one overarching villain that we have to defeat um people sometimes have a difficult time with that it's very interesting to me um and in shows we have the same problem which is one of the reasons i think that a lot of our tv series now have a villain you know and and when it's not a villain it's a villain of the week you know who can our brave heroes defeat who can our brave heroes bring down because we just can't seem to have gray lined discussions about morality and philosophy in a way that i feel like we once were kind of more open to i don't know what are your thoughts do you have thoughts about it I, I, I'm I'm really struggling to find not only <laughs> great words, but um, non-accusatory words. Yeah, it's, no, and there there is no. I'm definitely not leveling a um, an accusation on either side of any argument or debate. I just I really do long for the ability of debate as an as an uh, an entity to exist in public discourse without it being not just so contentious but without it being questioned in the sense of well that can't possibly be reality and that can't possibly be reality no actually philosophy gives us a lot of tools for understanding that processing all this stuff isn't just one-sided that's what our tv shows sometimes try to give us um but i don't know in the past 20 or so years it does feel like we're moving in a very different direction and it's a little bit tough for me anyway i don't know about for anybody else you kind of get used to it yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to move on with the rest of them. Um, okay, uh, so I don't know if you watch this show, but I'm going to bring this show up too. Um, you, season four, finally announced that they are debuting on Netflix March 9th of 2023. Um, have you watched any of you? Do you know who Joe is at all? No, no idea. No. Okay. Well, you is this series that's actually started on Lifetime, jumped over to Netflix, um, did a brilliant job especially in season one and i dare say even season two of being just uh, malicious and also taking advantage of things that uh i think we all sort of use like joe shows up in this person's life her name is back and he uses her social media he copies her phone basically and he uses all of her social media and all of her incoming messages and things like that in order to stalk her uh, and he does a really good job of it. Um, and he's also a serial killer. Right now, I think his body count is at nine over three seasons. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive there, Joe. Uh, but it's a great, I mean, it's actually a really good show. Talk about, uh, there, there is no moral ambiguity with Joe. Joe is who Joe is. He is definitely not a good guy. Um, but he shows us all these different sides of himself that, whew, man, he reminds me of a uh, unrefined Hannibal in some ways. I mean, he's not Hannibal, but he does remind me of that kind of personality. So it's a good show. And I'm really glad that they got a season four. I'm pretty much looking forward to that one. That seems pretty good. Is there anything coming up for you that you're excited about for a uh, TV debut? I'm, I'm not really sure what's uh, what's 
coming up soon. Uh, I haven't looked at the you know the usual websites to get you that for me. Sure, I, I did discover New Amsterdam. Mm. That's a medical procedural from NBC. Mm-hmm. And I will say it is at the very least enjoyable. One of those things where, you know, <clears throat> much like a law and order or, you know, something of that nature, you know, procedurals, you just kind of put it on and let it play out and glance at it every now and then while you're, you know, picking up around the house or something like that. And then it's, it's perfectly fine. Although I, they, they load up that plot. <laughs> they just just pile and pile and pile. I, I used to like shows like that. Um, I used to get lost in them. Like I could just, you know, like you said, they were kind of zen in the background. Um, <laughs> but then I started getting kind of, I don't know, more upset with them because they, oh, because sometimes the procedure itself is just like, so how many different ways can you possibly do this before it gets old? Uh, you know, it just, after a while, you're just like, yeah, okay. It's so bad that like, you know, at the beginning of the episode within 10 minutes, I can predict what's going to happen at the end. And yeah. Although some of them, they have really strong audience shares. Um, Some of them really can definitely keep an audience entertained. So that's good. Takes all different kinds. Um, I I wanted to talk real quick because I don't know if you know anything about this, but there is a new series coming out on Disney Plus. And honestly, I don't have a release date for this. I do know it's coming out in 2023. Um, but Secret Invasion is coming to Disney Plus. Do you know anything about Secret Invasion? Uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. And then another chapter in the MCU. And it's uh, all centered around Nick Fury. So this feels like it could be some of the show that a lot of people wanted um, that they kind of didn't get with some of the other Marvel uh, spinoff series. Um, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, Martin Freeman, uh, Amelia Clark. uh, Let's see. We got Samuel L. Jackson. We got uh, Don Cheadle. Awesome. Um, we, we got some good people happening here. This, I feel like, could be a real interesting Marvel, uh, another Marvel tendril. And I know, you know, a lot of people are really not into Marvel, or they say they're not into Marvel because, oh, there's been so many. And I get it. But just because there's been so many doesn't mean that stuff still can't be excellent. So I am always willing to give something from Marvel and especially a S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff a chance. Um, I was one of those people that really loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, And although this isn't quite following the same canon, I feel like it was just really it was such an awesome, great idea. I absolutely loved it. yeah, it's going to be more of a follow-up to Captain Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now we're dealing with, like, you know, different timelines and all kinds of kind of cool ideas along those, uh, along those, well, I guess just different ideas. I, I, I like the fact that Marvel is not pigeonholing itself into just one place, to be they are definitely moving in all kinds of different directions which is good um i did just for everybody who doesn't know wakanda forever is definitely out on streaming um and you can see it on disney plus if you have disney plus or you can rent it on any of the pay-per-view um channels like amazon or voodoo or whatever wherever you get your streaming uh content so you can rent it or you can hop over to disney plus and uh, you know, it's it, it's a little bit less, I think, on the small screen than it is on the big screen, but it's still amazing. It's still gorgeous. It's still a really good story. Beginning to end, it's a great story. So I definitely suggest that people check that out. Um, I want to touch just real quick on some stuff that's happening over at Amazon. I feel like sometimes Amazon is a little bit of the lost child in the streaming content world. And I don't really know why that is. Um, 
people definitely watch TV at Amazon. I mean, Amazon Prime Video is a powerhouse all by themselves. And um, not just, I mean, movies are one thing in Amazon. I feel like for Prime is always known for its movies. But they have a lot of series available that are free over at Prime which you know some of them are really old some of them are brand new some of them are original content um one of the ones that i was following for a while and i actually uh, had spoken about it before the podcast is carnival row uh carnival row started a couple of years ago it has orlando bloom in it from um lord of the rings fans um and it, it's such an interesting idea because there are these uh, supernatural creatures that exist in the Carnival Row universe, and they have set up this sort of class system. And the class system, and this is how you know it sort of came from a Brit's mind, uh, the class system is heavily influenced by many different things. And there's a lot of uh, kind of internal segregation. There's a lot of um, racism that's involved. And they're all just different creatures. It's a really cool story. It is unfolding so beautifully across seasons. I didn't really expect it to. The first season was really good, but I didn't know where they were going to go in the second season that was going to top that. And it's definitely been progressing really well. So I know you haven't seen that one, Josh, but uh, I definitely I suggested it. it's it's an interesting one. So but I do love Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. M well, does that have any series? Does that have a new season? It will have a fifth and final season. Do you know when that is coming out? I don't think they know when it's coming out. Aha! Uh -huh. That's probably why I don't have it on my radar. But I know. Uh, let's see. Invincible season two is being worked on. That I know has an actual like they're they're targeting 2023 as their launch. So I think we're gonna get. Um, season two in 2023. Yeah, they had that uh, that short teaser. Um, yeah, and of course that, the boys. Actually, a good one. Yep, the boys definitely and uh, reportedly, although I don't know when, we are also supposed to get Wheel of Time season two. Um, you know, this has been really contentious in terms of like how long it's taken them, why it's taken them so long. And, you know, are they even going to have a fandom by the time that they get back uh, to this? It's, you know, they released the um, they released the first season of Wheel of Time back in what, 2021. Um, and so, I mean, it's been a hot minute since they've had. And the weird thing to me is that, you know, Robert Jordan fans, which is what Wheel of Time is based off of, uh, it is a sprawling universe. Uh, there are so many books and within each book there, it's like a lifetime passes inside of each book. If you're a Robert Jordan fan, you'll know exactly what I say when, or you'll know what I mean when I say it's such an immersive experience to be in the Wheel of Time universe that you can sometimes just lose track of time and you've read, you know, for three hours and it feels like a split second has gone by. It's just an amazing series. The se the series has been good. I mean, the first series or the first season was good, but, you know, it was tough, I think, because they were under deadline crunches and COVID. And it sort of created a lackluster CGI or VFX presence. Um, I don't think they got everywhere they needed to go. And then they had some cast shakeups, which sort of derailed things. So I'm hoping that for this next season, they pull it all together and that they give it kind of the polish that Wheel of Time really deserves. And I have a lot of faith in that because what I saw in season one leads me to believe that they understand the source material meticulously. Like they get it. It's changed. They've changed some things, but I think that they changed it for the better because you can't hear inner monologue on, you know, TV. You can't have multiple narrators. Um, it's similar to like the Game of Thrones style where, you know, look, there's a lot of information to impart. So how do we do this in a good narrative form? And I do feel like Wheel of Time really 
when they did change things, they changed it for a good reason. So hopefully that uh, is something that we can all look forward to. And just as I was saying that, I did see something that came across my little, you know, hey, here's my entertainment ticker tape. Uh, and it says that there's they're shooting for spring and summer of 2023 uh, for release. So, I mean, look, you know, if it's going to take a little bit more time to give us better quality, um, yeah have at it because I'm all for better quality. Um, let's see. What was the other one that I was thinking of you for Josh? I was thinking, Oh, do, do you guys watch teen wolf at all? Uh, only if it has Michael J. Fox. Okay. So you're not watching uh, the paramount teen wolf. Um, uh, yeah. The teen wolf movie thing that was going on. Mm hmm. No, okay. Well, I, you're probably in good company because it really didn't do well. Um, <laughs> people really didn't like it at all. Um, I I do want to, though, touch on one thing. And I know that this is maybe, I don't want to say it's contentious, but I just want to call attention to it because I feel like this really needs um, a little bit of a special shout out, right? Um, if you hop over to Hulu and you watch the 1619 project, it is exceptional and i do mean exceptional um it, it there are some really amazing things happening with this specific um I, i'll just i guess i would call it a uh, a treatise on american history it really does a good job of expressing what has been happening in american history for quite some time and why and you'll understand uh where the 1619 comes from if you watch um this the if you watch this season i for one really hope that they expand this out because you know not to call out anybody or you know any generation or even the industry that i happen to love so much but i know people who believe that movies have the correct historical timeline when they absolutely do not. I mean, they're so anachronistic that like, it's hard sometimes for me to not want to say something. Um, and it, you know, it's one thing if it's like, oh, okay, well you were watching Gladiator and Emperor Commodus existed at a time when, yeah, no, that's actually not right. What is happening here? Um, and you know, things that they say don't match up and okay, that's one thing, but it's another thing when it's like history that is not that far away and we're basing real strong opinions on who we are today from that history, from that erroneous history, um, rather than actually discovering, hey, you know, via documents and via um, journals and materials that historians already have, we kind of know already what was really going on. We don't need to reinvent our history in order to make it real. It's nice, I think, sometimes to have uh, an alternate history timeline for our entertainment purposes because that's entertainment. But when it comes to really understanding our history, uh, 1619 Project is a really good place to start. It's just really good. So I highly suggest that. Um, and that is over on Hulu. Um, I, I'm okay. So I, I, as much as I also sort of want to talk about this, I also kind of don't want to talk about it because I know it's going to open up uh, a can of worms, but I'm going to say that I am not impressed with what is coming out of the Star Trek universe right now. I want to be excited. I want to, <laughs> I want to believe, oh wait, no, that's another universe. Um, I, I I want to get I especially want to get excited for uh Picard because man I really love that show a lot but I'm I'm having a hard time. Um, are are you watching any of the Star Trek stuff, Josh? I have watched the first couple of episodes of what is the the one about Pike. Oh, that's um that's uh Strange New World. That's what right. I thought it was, but I didn't want to be, you know, incorrect. Yeah, that, that's Strange New World. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did have Anson watched Mal. a couple of those. Yes. 
and I'm, you know, I like it. But that's that's really the only new Trek I've seen since Enterprise. I I like Strange New World too, although I'm having a little bit of trouble with the Spock character. Um, I'm not super in love with what they're doing there. I I think it's a thing, and yeah, it's a story thing. Okay. I'm not super excited about it. It 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 feels disingenuous. I hate to be that stupid fan. Seems um, kind of weird, you know. It, it just knowing feels out what's of taste. happening after what's gonna what's gonna happen afterwards, right? It kind I I mean, I'm sure that there's an explanation, and I'm sure you know. Oh, uh, a circuit breaker went off, and you know, Spock became completely devoid of any emotion, and that was a purposeful choice. And okay, yeah, but the way that they're telling the story right now is it it feels odd. It feels, I don't know. But I will say one thing, um, Anson Mount is doing an amazing job. And uh, it's it, 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 it's a pretty rich Star Trek landscape. It's just, I mean, it's a rich Star Trek landscape, but I don't know. I'm, I don't find anything like so special and spectacular. And I, I feel bad saying that because, of course, I realize that, you know, not everything can be the shiny object. And, you know, I get that. I do understand. I, I watch Ghosts every Thursday um, and absolutely am entertained to pieces by it. Uh, that's not lackluster. That is just, you know, solid entertainment comedy without very much thinking involved at all. But when it comes to Star Trek, I expect something to kind of like blow me away a little bit you know give me something amazing to think about or i talked a couple of uh weeks ago about the orville and how much i loved their progressive and you know changing ideas about who mm -hmm. we will be in so many years um i'm not finding that with star trek here i'm finding it to be like kind of shallow oh man yeah. that actually kind of hurts to say i feel like the last great storytelling from Star Trek that I've seen was probably DS9. Mm. Voyager, I enjoyed watching that on a weekly basis, but that seemed to be a more traditional action-adventure, you know, sci-fi show where things just kind of happened and didn't have uh, a lot of subtext. Uh, mm. DS9 full of great storytelling. From, unique storytelling. Yeah. It, it was really unique storytelling. See, I think that's the problem. I think the problem is that I'm not... And I, this is always going to be, I think, a problem for uh, prequel series as we kind of go, is there there isn't enough time, uh, not in terms of the storytelling from, you know, oh, century to century, but for us as the audience, there isn't enough time for us to feel that sense of nostalgia for different storytelling ideas in the Star Trek universe because we're being hit with a lot of it. Um, I I don't know. I I mean, like again, you know, I'll, I'll watch this new season and hope that you know things kind of pick up and maybe there's something super exciting. And but I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that this was where the Star Trek universe was supposed to go because it just feels like a lot of rehash of the same ideas and material just with different characters and slightly different bents on their personality. I don't know. Am I being too harsh? Um, I, I don't know if harsh is the right word for it. Uh, I, I can add this um, using DS9 here. Up until that point, in, in even bits of Voyager, you know, the 90s, 90s Star Trek, it took what we knew from the original Star Trek and, and Next Generation and kind of expanded the, the stories of the universe. We, we learned more about different cultures, different people, as it relates to Starfleet. Mm -hmm. and, and sort of the greater diplomatic mission around the galaxy. It seems like since then, um, even including Enterprise, there's just been a rehashing of, you know, 
what we've already been told, what we already know, and they aren't really expanding the the overall greater universe anymore. Yeah, and I, I mean, I kind of okay. I'm of two minds with this, much like the Star Trek episode in classic where Kirk goes into the transporter and has two Kirks, the really, really empathetic one who's clearly weak and not a man. And the other one that's like really aggressive and mean and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll put all of that cultural craziness aside, but use that same sort of metaphor. Um, On the one hand, I think that, I don't necessarily want them to expand where they are, right? Because in time and space, I do think it works. They are okay inside of a galaxy and this is fine. But how much can we possibly continue to believe uh, that we're not seeing in terms of um, both different ideas and how we would react to them. Um, I, I'm, I don't, I feel like we are not, especially with Star Trek, that we're not honoring the original content of Star Trek, which was let's upend our ideas here and add some new things. Like what, like what, like, like shows have become so, oh man, you know, I don't, I just don't want to get into the whole politics of how shows are written and what they is acceptable and not acceptable. But to some degree, you have to be willing to step out there and take a small risk on new and inventive ideas about culture and identity. If you are going to tell a story that is that tapestry, like you can't tell a story that is the Star Trek story and continually bring it back to white imperialism on earth. I mean, yes, that's a thing. And yes, it's okay to explore in, you know, a theme or an episodic piece, but can we stop making the entire universe about the search for capitalism, the white nation, you know, conquering all, because that's what it feels like we keep moving back to. And I'm not saying that like, you know, somehow we've done something wrong with what's already been out there, but can we just stop recycling it and move on to something bigger and better? Why, why can't we have a Starfleet captain who isn't the standard like, why is it that we, I don't know. I feel like we even have this pushback against even Captain Janeway, who, you know, I mean, yeah, you can either like the series or not like the series, but wow, the amount of hate that that gets is kind of crazy. And that, and again, you know, the whole, one of the things that I loved about Picard in the first and the second season was, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on Seven of Nine. There's a lot of emphasis on the women, but it's not, it isn't breaking new ground. It's, it is dealing with stuff and I giving it all the props they possibly can for that. Lots of stuff about grief, lots of stuff about processing who you are as a person. Yes. But where's the, st where's the boldly go where no one has gone before. And exactly. I don't exactly, I'm not seeing it. That's, that's, that's exactly what's missing. Even, even when, um, you know, they decided, okay, we're going to reboot the, the Star Wars movie or the Star Trek movies. It, it felt like it was very much Star Wars because of the focus on, you know, the action and, and let's see what cool things, you know, we can make the Enterprise do instead of they're, they're on a scientific diplomatic mission. Uh, that's That's always been the mission of the Enterprise. And seeing all of it just kind of go out the window over the last 20 years has, has been a little frustrating when you, when you look at the, the original crew movies, you know, you have basically, it, it was basically a continuation of the TV show, but you know, the, the, the stories were very personal uh, at times mm -hmm. and also it still had, you know, the adventure aspect while it might not have been 
the the action fest people are expecting from their sci-fi these days that's that's never really been star trek you know it's always you know, there's a fight here and there but it wasn't you know a top to bottom adrenaline ride it was about telling a specific story about this crew and their experiences uh, on their mission right and and we've lost all semblance of Starfleet uh, as as you know sort of purveyors of knowledge and, and you know expanding missions in next generation uh, picked up that mantle as they uh, tried to do their thing and and now uh, like well like I said I haven't really watched the new stuff so I, I feel like I'm mildly speaking out of turn here um, but it's just, it feels like the focus is less on, uh, well, like you said, less on what the original mission was for Star Trek, especially when there are so many more, so many new um, social, political issues that they could kind of weave into the, you know, narrative of of Star Trek. And quite frankly, um where it feels like they're dropping the ball. Like you said, the Orville picked it up and started running. Right. 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 And, and honestly, I mean, I, you know, waxed poetically about this in another podcast, but I feel like they did an exceptional job of, of reframing our conversations and giving them the bent of somewhere out in the galaxy. Here are some things that are happening and yes, we have. I'm not saying that we would understand, as an example, uh, the two-dimensional universe, because of course we wouldn't. That, but we can observe it, and we can say, yeah, that was a thing. Um, so I'm not suggesting that we take stories that have zero impact on us and then apply that logic to the storytelling. What I am saying, though, is that we have a lot of issues that we could deal with that don't necessarily just make us the they give us the same core stories that we have been retelling over and over and over again for Star Trek, which sort of include this, the colonization piece, the, the, I mean, we barely get into misogyny. Like, you know, is that still a thing? Does that still exist? Well, I, I mean, between the sexes, it seems like there's gotta be some mention of this. Why isn't there? Why is it that we assume that the future will be sterile of some ideas and yet we hyper-focus on other ideas. And, you know, some of it is just the way that we culturally identify. So, like, I do get it. But I, I don't feel like that was the original intent of, of Star Trek at all. And the other thing, which I feel like is just, you know, totally missing. And I'm so sorry to say this because I know that there are people that work on Star Trek that handle this. And, and I'm not demeaning it in any way. But where's the science fiction? I mean, tell me a story that is science fiction rich. Give me, you know, some some Heinlein pieces. Give me some Asimov pieces. Like, you know, the stuff that is the richness of who we are. I think back to the, again, the, you know, the classic series. And I think back to the, um, the what was it called? The Horda? Um, the the animal that was tunneling through the planet and the miners were taking basically its babies away, but nobody could communicate with it. Um, like that's real science fiction. That's a big thing. And it still ties back to who we are and our protectiveness of our unborn, uh, of our offspring, and then how we can collaboratively work together. Like this is a, there are so many ways to do this. And yet I feel like we just keep moving back to the same old retrod, you know, Oh yeah. Well, if it was popular at one point, it'll be popular forever. And it's like, ugh, no. Well, anyway, I have high hopes, but you know, there's a lot of Star Trek stuff coming up. Although I will say, that I will say one other thing about Star Trek, Lower Decks. Lower Decks is an animated series that is so good. It's fun, it's inventive, and I don't know whether just the media of animation frees them up to sort of like be able to think a little bit more clearly, but they do some really cool stuff. So 
that actually makes me pretty happy because you know lower decks is not the tried and true star trek formula it's definitely mixed up a bit but it's still star trek enough that you recognize it so you might want to give that one a try okay um so i'm gonna switch gears um and i want to just briefly in our time that's left talk about something that has been on my mind a lot lately um and this is the it's a culmination of a lot of things. So bear with me here. Recently, we've had a spate of cancellations and um, shows that we thought would definitely capture the uh, a season two, not capturing a season two um, ideas that feel like, wow, this is so well formed. How did it not get repicked up? Uh, we've had shows basically deplatformed and sent out to the wild to fend for themselves. Um, we've had a lot of big shakeup. And at first I was going to talk specifically about metrics and how the content platforms are using metrics to determine success or uh, whether they're not successful. But I think I'm going to sort of change this conversation just a little bit to say that Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon, um, Hulu, everybody uses a type of metric, whether that's Nielsen or whether it's some of the new and up and coming. Um, well, I, I guess I should just say everybody's using metrics to decide what audience shares they are getting and how the audiences are engaging with their material. Now, up until Squid Games, Netflix was really, really, really secretive about what their, how they were measuring um, their content in terms of the audience participation. And then after Squid Games, they kind of got a little bit freer with their information. Now they've changed it a bit even since then. But um, I, I think it's important for us to understand that we as the content audience <clears throat> have ultimately some control over whether a show gets a season two or a season three or beyond. But I, I feel like we are kind of caught in a moment where at this space in time, we're not really in control of whether shows get season two, season three, or beyond. What is happening is a complicated dance of both metrics, households that are viewing things, uh, customer profiles, continuation of uh, media that's consumed. Like, you know, if you start a series, did you watch only the first five minutes of it? Or did you actually watch 70% of the content? Or did you watch 90% of the content? And if you hear that specific piece, you'll know I'm actually talking about Netflix, because that's how they decide whether you've watched a show or not a show. Um, so for them, <clears throat> if you've watched 90% of something, you've completed it, whether you have or not. You've, if you watch 90%, they consider that complete. Um, now, when it comes to movies, it's a little bit different because movies are a little bit more consumable. So people will sit down and watch an hour and a half or two hours of a movie. And, you know, that counts as full content pretty quickly. But when it comes to series, uh, we don't have a ton of really good data to give us, you know, what can we as the audience do to ensure that our favorite shows get season two or season three. Now, I, I'm, having said that, though, I am going to counter that a little bit with there are things that I think we sometimes miss as the viewing audience. And this is not to put the onus on the audience to decide whether uh, a streaming catalog will pick up or maintain a product. But one thing that we miss a lot is rating shows, going to IMDb, making a profile and saying, I liked this. That counts. It really does. It doesn't seem like it should, but it does count. Um, critic scores count too, 
but maybe not quite as much as the audience score when it comes to are we picking up season two or three or beyond? Because the more people enjoy something, the more likely the streaming content provider is to at least give it a second look. Now, there are plenty of other variables in there as well, including the cost matrix. Um, you know, are we getting the right dollar uh, amount back for our investment on the series? That's, of course, a whole other conversation. Um, there's sort of some other missing metrics out of this, which are, you know, had, did the season move and gain viewership or lose viewership maybe mid-season or at the start of the first season? Almost every series starts out with uh, a strong showing and then they move in a downward direction from there. That's just people lose interest. Um, things happen. So when you get a show that maintains an average audience score, according to Nielsen or according to any of the other uh, rating services, that does matter. So for for us as the audience, just participating with media matters. Like, can we watch something within the first 28 days that it's been released? That matters because that's basically the show altogether that says, yes, you're invested in this content. Now, Netflix especially would really like you to consume the content faster than that. They would like you to see their entire series or th as a season within, I think it's, I want to say it's like within a week or I think two, I can't remember exactly which, but it's a short window. So if you can do that, then great. And that's really kind of a big thing. They want you to binge. I mean, there's an incentive to Netflix by watching binging numbers. So that's kind of a big thing. Um, and maybe that means that if a show comes out, you don't pick it up or you don't start watching it until you can watch more of the episodes that you really want to see um, so that you can get those numbers up. Um, for HBO Max, though, we have a totally different situation where weekly things go through and you are sort of at the mercy of their content uh, audience score. Whatever it is that or wherever they are getting their information from, that's kind of it. So like House of the Dragon, Last of Us, uh, White Lotus, all of these shows, they get an audience market share. How many households tuned in to watch? Now, HBO is a little bit, um, I don't want to say oddly different, but it has two different metrics, right? Because HBO still runs an actual cable network. And the cable network operates a bit differently than HBO Max as a streamer. So if you're watching a show on HBO Max, because that's how you get into HBO, those numbers appear a little bit differently than they do if you're watching on cable TV. That's always a really interesting thing to me. Um, and they know when you have DVR'd something that like they can the 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 cable networks are smart enough to know when shows are actually being recorded and the the Nielsen Plus there's about six or seven of them that monitor audience uh, participation with shows they also know when you have participated in watching most of the content and so that becomes kind of important but in terms of like the week to week shows. If you can watch the newest episode on the day that it premieres, that means the most. If you can watch that episode within two days, it really helps to push uh, the ratings up. And, you know, anyone can log into Wikipedia and look up their season or look up their show and they can see how much audience was participating in whatever that particular episode was. That's that's an easy sort of metric to look at. But it's a lot more complicated than that. And, <clears throat> excuse me, my idea here is one thing that we can kind of all do 
is pay attention to the things that we can have an effect on. So rating system, yes. Watching our shows as close to the premiere dates as possible, yes. But putting off watching shows when we can if we're going to binge them so a little bit of conditional kind of logic going on there um and that is also very important um and then the last thing that i'll say about sort of what makes the good show in terms of how they're getting uh organized for are we going to renew this does sometimes come from obviously the audience uh reaction to it but more than not, this is a dance that is done behind the scenes where we just simply don't have enough data points as the audience to be able to connect all the dots. I mean, collecting this kind of information is is industry secret sort of by virtue of what it is. It's very opaque. It's very difficult to get good points to be able to see into it. But it's not always about whether the show was good or not. And that's, you know, an incredibly subjective idea anyway. We've gone over a whole bunch of them here on this show and said, yes, we like it or no, we don't. And that doesn't mean that it was actually good or actually bad. It means subjectively we had this opinion on it. And I feel like this is an important part of understanding why shows get canceled and why some of them move on, even though it seems like, well, who's watching that? Why did they cancel this show and not this show? Um, and some of that is just stuff that we are not purview to we're not going to know the answers to that but there are some things like i just said that we can do to at least help ensure that we are getting the message across now i have also heard very recently from a lot of people about the effect of social media on whether a show continues or not and i wish that this wasn't as big of an of a thing as it is but it is when you talk about your show and either hashtag it or, you know, create some kind of call out, like you're interacting with the uh, prime source, like the page that deals with this or, you know, the forums that are the official forums and things like that, that does matter. Um, it, it matters maybe not so much in the overall, is it going to get renewed or not, but it matters in terms of how they are gauging enthusiasm for certain shows. So it, again, it doesn't mean that there's a blank check out there and that just because the audiences participate in one way or another, or everybody loves it and, you know, Hey, I've got 50,000 fans that are willing to sign a petition to say, bring this back. It's it's so much more complicated than that. And I know that we love to distill ideas down to kind of an essence and think, okay, well, this is evil and this is good. But yeah, streaming and cancellations are extremely volatile within the streamer's choice. I mean, like just the idea that we could figure out what show will get renewed and what show won't or what is going to get canceled, even though it seems like it's having a good run. Those things are just completely outside, I think, our ability to see into. Um, uh, there's plenty of shows that I really want to come back. I mentioned the Orville earlier in the broadcast. I really want the Orville to come back, but it's not looking really good. Uh, it doesn't feel like anybody has given, you know, kind of the, yeah, let's really affirm that we're going to go forward with this. Um, that doesn't seem like it's got a uh, really good wind at its back i don't know we'll see um and then there's other stuff that i wonder well why did that get another season that's super crazy it doesn't seem like anybody's watching it but that's just because i'm not watching it right so me my circle of friends uh i'm not participating in the world where this is happening and i can't see data points that say hey you know what Five hundred thousand people tuned into this that could very well be um, so, uh, you know, do what you can when you can to affect the outcome of your favorite show. Participate in social media. Give it a good rating on IMDb. Go to Rotten Tomatoes and write a review. That's a big thing. Um, I know it seems like maybe you're being drowned out because, oh, there's 10,000 other reviews. But trust me, just giving the affirmative is a big deal. Um, 
And then, of course, there's the other side of this, which is when a show gets canceled, it's not like they're personally attacking the fandom. It's more about, did it make sense financially? Was there enough of, you know, did they get a return on their investment? And was it even available to do? Uh, that is another whole huge thing. So uh, licensing is a thing. Content is complicated. I think that's the overall message. Um, we aren't going to figure out how shows get picked up or canceled based on the studio's response by using any kind of data points or being able to see into um, you know, whether audiences were participating or not. All that we can do is provide the best of our feedback to them to say, we want these things to go on. Um, with that, I am also going to mention one more show before I hop off. Uh, I'm going to suggest that if you haven't watched The Winchesters, um, watch it. It's a really interesting take on what was the supernatural world. Now, the first couple episodes, they feel campy. They feel Scooby-Doo and the gang. I mean, they don't. I don't know whether they just sort of like didn't find their rhythm or what was going on. But if you're patient with this show uh, and you're a Supernatural fan, talk about a long running fandom. Um, there's payoff. There's a lot of payoff. A lot of things that you question about what was happening in the show Supernatural become super canon in the Winchesters. Um, and on top of that, it's actually a really fun show to watch. I mean, I'm really liking it. I, I thought I wasn't going to like it and stopped watching after like the first, I guess it was like the first four episodes. And then I went back to it, picked it back up again, and I'm really having a good time with it. So I highly suggest that one. And I bring that up because Supernatural was one of those shows that moved across networks had different producers, different directors. Uh, Eric Kripke left. When he left, there was a brand new creative uh, monster behind it. Um, the the There were many different actors who kind of came and went with their stint on Supernatural. The show itself just went through such a huge evolution. And we're talking massive numbers of seasons that they had. And fans really were the driving force between keeping Supernatural around. So don't feel like you don't have any input. You absolutely do. But also don't take it personally when your favorite show gets canceled because sometimes it really is out of our control. Um, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Josh, for joining me tonight. I had a really good time. Um, I hope you all learned something. I hope you had a good time. Uh, join us tomorrow for our 10 to 1 podcast where um, <laughs> we count down movies based on a theme. Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this week's episode, but I'm also kind of uh, concerned about this week's episode. Um, we are... I, I want to say that this particular one is, it's been a little bit difficult. Uh, it's about movies where people are shooting movies in the film. So there's some interesting ideas that are going on here, but I got to say, I had a really hard time with this one because I don't find many of these movies to be very good. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see what happens tomorrow and uh, what we kind of come up with to break down. Um, and then join us on Thursday this week, big week, when we premiere our first episode of Talking the Last of Us. Um, we're going to do a podcast where we really deep dive into The Last of Us. The first episode we're going to deal with season, I'm sorry, episode one and episode two. And we're going to talk about the differences between the game and the series, but I think we're going to really concentrate on some of the things that we are finding to be agreeable on both sides. What, you know, as a game player, what made The Last of Us really good? What did we like in the series? And I think we're going to have a really good time with that. Uh, so join us for that on Thursday at 8 p.m. Central. And then join Josh for the Wadcast on Friday at the same time. Um, and I'll let Josh give his 
uh, join us for everything on the Wadcast speech. Uh, but then join me over at moviesandmeals.com if you want to see some cool movie and TV show ideas with cooking. Uh, I don't have anything Super Bowl up right now, but uh, I'll think about that. So, Josh, how can we find you uh, that I didn't already say? Well, you can always go to uh, watchcomedia.com. That's the name of it, watchcomedia.com. That has uh, the appropriate links. It has all of your favorite TV dinners merchandise uh, linked up there, too. So if you want to get a nice TV dinner shirt, you know, go along with listening to TV dinners or watching every Tuesday night, then by all means, feel free to go grab a shirt. And as far as Friday night goes with Wadcast, the Writers, Actors, Directors podcast, every Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, um, Brandon and I, we talk about writers, actors, and directors. And here's the thing. Here, here's the secret for this week. Brandon won't be here. Oh, no. So I will be bringing in a very special guest on uh, on Friday. And as soon as I get the confirmations, I will announce that special guest tomorrow. Is it Pedro on... Pascal? Yes, it is. No. <laughs> Everybody, quick, hurry up. Join the join the podcast on Friday. It's going to be epic. That's I how mean, I know on. it would be epic because he, he does not do bad stuff. He's do. I mean, honestly, he's doing every other venue. So why not the podcast? I mean, listen, Pedro, if you're listening, you're welcome on TV dinners as well. I have about eight thousand questions that I want to ask you, and I promise I will narrow them down to the top ten that I think are the most important and don't involve your social life at all. So. Open invitation. But also, yeah, you know, if he's going to be on the podcast, I'll listen. So next week, I guess we'll find out <laughs> if Pedro Pascal uh, responds to the tweet <laughs> that I'm going to send, making sure he knows there's an open invite. There you go. I'm, I'm super excited about that. Very excited. Okay. Well, I, with, I think we have covered just about all the ground that we can possibly cover. Uh, just know that uh, we make the choices about whether TV dinners gets renewed or canceled. And so far, it's still a renewal. So thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. Have a great night, and we'll see you next time. Bye. We're named the Dog.